yet four, four years in. But that's neither here nor there. Um, hey, thanks for being here this morning. Thanks for um, f- battling the rain, the torrential downpour that was this morning. Um, it's my hope that most of you didn't even realize that it rained because you were still in bed. Um, that's probably the reality. But uh, thank you guys for being here. Hey, this is the last time. Um, this, is, this is the last time for 2019. This is the oldest that this room will be. This is the oldest that this room will be because next week, 15-year-olds will descend upon this place uh, and join us. And so there's an opportunity that we have today. The reason that we decided to speak through elephants over the last five weeks because I knew that at this point in this season of your life, you would be the most mature that you possibly could be because next week we gain a lot of immaturity with freshmen, Uh, a whole bunch of immaturity. Uh, But we're excited for that opportunity. But before we get there, we're going to tackle one last topic. Um, And so originally this series that we've been going through, Elephants, where we're talking about the hard things to talk about. We're talking about the big topics, the topics that are a little bit tricky and hard to talk about, or at least we avoid sometimes in the church. Um, It is one of those things that we originally planned to do this for four weeks. But as I was reflecting on this series and as I was reflecting on our discussions and our topics of the LGBTQ community, of abuse, of um, identity, and of uh, depression and anxiety, what I realized is sometimes when we talk about these things, It can bring up memories, or it can bring up past sin, or it can bring up um, some feelings that we've had from the past that we don't necessarily like. Maybe we have um, engaged with God. Maybe you have a relationship with Jesus. It's my hope that you do, and you've gone, and you sought forgiveness, and you say, I know I've been forgiven, but I'm still carrying the weight of this, and the weight is called shame. And so I wanted to dive into the idea and the reality of shame because what Jesus says is it's not something that we need to carry. I think there is a difference between guilt and shame. And I think guilt is a good thing because I think guilt leads us to the cross. It leads us to seeking forgiveness. But shame is that ugly thing that lingers after we know we have been forgiven. And for some of us, it's something that we carry for years and years. And some people, they carry it their whole life, the regrets of the past. And so I want to speak to shame today because it's not something that we should carry. It is something that uh, God wants to remove from us so that we can continue to pursue a greater and deeper and more meaningful relationship with him. And what Satan wants more than anything is for each and every one of us to carry unsurmountable weight of shame every single day so that it distracts us from the reality of who God is. And so what I would love to encourage you to do, if you have a Bible, I hope you do, go ahead and open it up um, to Psalm chapter 103. So it's kind of close to the center of your Bible. If you don't have it, look off the neighbor um, if they've got one. And if they don't have one, don't worry. It's going to be on the screen for you to follow along um, with it. But I constantly encourage this, and I think there's something, there's something um, great about holding God's word, about looking at it and holding it and feeling it. Maybe it's the texture of your Bible, whatever it is. But I think there's something when you engage multiple senses in one focused area, I think it does something special in your soul. I think you're able to feel it. You're able to see it. Maybe you're weird and you can smell your Bible. Hopefully it smells good. 
Um, but when you're able to do that, it connects us, I think, a little bit closer. Now, if you don't have a Bible, this isn't to condemn you. We've got one for you. Please let me know if you want one. But it's my, my hope that you're there now. It's Psalm 103. And so this is what David is saying. This is what he's singing. This is what he's praying, and this is what he's giving to God. He says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity and who heals all your disease, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The, Lord's work, righteous, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. God, thank you for the reality of what your son has done in us and through us that we can walk forward in life, continuing to pursue him, not weighed down by the weight of shame. Father, help us to realize that is a reality through your son, not a dream, but a reality that we can experience because of Jesus. Father, let guilt lead us to the cross. Let us give it to you and wear it never again. Father, we thank you for your love, and we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. I thank you for this morning. Thank you for the arrival of summer, and I thank you for the barbecue that I get to be part of tomorrow. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Um, <clears throat> so I get to be, uh, I am, I am, I'm entering my first smoke off. I like to smoke meats, um, delicious meats, and tomorrow I am going to beat Aaron Brubaker and Dane Alfin in the first ever smoke off. It's not happening. <laughs> That's a rookie talking back there. He's never done it before. We'll see. Brubaker didn't even show up. He's too scared. He knew I was going to call him out. So that's neither here nor there. I just want to throw that out there. Hopefully you're having an awesome day tomorrow. But what I want you to do is rewind to a time when you were just little kids, 2004, fall of 2004. We, uh, as many of you know, I had the opportunity to play football. Um, And if you're not a football person, that's okay. This really, the underlying story has nothing to do with football. So please track with me. Um, it was our final game, my senior year. And we were playing uh, at home, which rarely happens for this kind of final game because we had the opportunity um, to go and play in the state championship. Senior year, state championship, this is all that I had wanted. This is one of the greatest things that I was, like, was working for all throughout high school. Is we wanted to play for an opportunity to win a state championship, and we were there. And the moment was upon us. And so we, um, all week, our our coaches constantly reminded us to not read what the paper was writing about us because we were heavily, like, we were the heavy underdogs. Like, everyone was saying, we want want the pups to win, but there's no chance. Not going to happen. So the game kicks off, and we're we're going, and, and quickly we fall behind. They score a quick touchdown, 
And um, then they, they quickly uh, scored a field goal. And so we're down 10 nothing in the first quarter. And we're starting to go, is the reality of the situation the reality of our lives? Like, is this how it's going to be? But then quickly we had like an amazing running back. And he scored a quick touchdown. And so now it's seven. So we're still in this thing. But as the game went on, we quickly realized we were outmanned and outgunned because we got beat by 40 points in the state championship. 50 to 10 was the final score. And I remember, like, just, just, I mean, seniors, you know this feeling of like, hey, this season of life is over. Whether you played a sport or not, whether you go to Lake or not, like if you're a senior, you're done. That's the reality. And now there's this reality of like that season of life, that thing that I was either excited for or dreading to end is now a reality that I'm living in. And my season was over. And for me, I didn't know if my, my football career was over or not. And I remember feeling like, like I had just gotten kicked in the gut because we were supposed to at least be able to hold our own, not get beat by 40 points in the state championship. I remember walking back to the locker room and like, we're all crying. It's just emotionally exhausted, physically exhausted. And I remember um, we're sitting there and I didn't want to take my pads off because I was like, man, this is the last time I'm going to wear this jersey. And so I, I was feeling terrible um, because I was like, this is the legacy that we're leaving. Like we're going to be known as a team for all of eternity. And what I didn't know is there'd be one day close to 15 years down the road where I'd use a story and bring up all that hurt, <clears throat> where I was afraid that our legacy was going to be that's the team that got whooped on. And I remember sitting down with my teammates and we're crying and one of the boosters, one of the guys who was heavily involved in the team, he came, up, came in and he goes, hey, keep in mind that this does not define you. This game, that loss does not define you. It does not define you as a football player. It does not define your senior year. It does not define who you are as a young man. It does not define who you are. And all I could think is, no, dude, I'm a loser. We're losers. And we're not just big losers. We're like 40-point losers. And I was convinced that this would be one of the things that I wore for the rest of my life. And here's the thing. Today, I if I'm honest. But that's the reality of what we look to in our past and decisions that we've made. Maybe for some of us, it's because we deal with the temptation of same-sex attraction. Maybe for some of you, it's because you deal with, you struggle with identity issues. You're questioning who you are. For some of you, it is the anxiety and the depression that is weighing in heavy on you or at one season in your life was weighing heavy on you. Maybe this is a season where you're starting to be a little bit better. You're feeling better, but you keep thinking about the anxiety and the depression. Maybe for some of you, it's the abuse that you've experienced in your life. And maybe there's some of you in here, you go, it's none of those things. But Ryan, it is this specific thing that is weighing heavy on me. And I'm feeling the effects of it. And I think the problem that we feel is when we find ourselves in those moments, maybe reflecting on those, you go, Ryan, I've given it to God, but I just can't let go of it. And I think the problem with that is that's when shame starts to weigh heavy on us because Satan is saying to you, this will always define you. 
This moment, that sin, that temptation, that will be the defining characteristic of you. And I think sometimes we hear this lie and a lot of the times when we hear it, we buy into it and we go, you know what, that will be my defining characteristic. Yes, I could go out and I could continue to live my life for Jesus, but if anyone ever realized who I was before this, it would all be for a wash. The shame of our past keeps us from experiencing what Jesus has planned for us in our future. And I think we can really be there at times. We can say, I know, I trust, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I have a relationship with Jesus. I trust that he has forgiven me. I trust it, but I still feel the weight. I still feel the disgust with myself because of who I was, because of the decisions that I made, because of the drugs that I did, because of the people that I slept with, because of the pornography that I constantly viewed. Because I was beaten over and over and over again. That will always be my defining moment. And that's what Satan wants you to believe. That you are, in fact, not defined by what Jesus says about you. Not defined by what Jesus has done for you, but defined by your sins. As the psalmist talks about, your iniquities, your disease. And what I want us to walk away with this morning is the reality and the understanding that the lies that Satan is telling us are in fact just that. They are big, nasty lies that he wants us to identify with. But what Jesus has to say about us is so much better and so much more freeing. And that's the way that we need to to live our lives. We need to push the lies away and embrace the truth, the truth that God says about each and every one of us. And so let's jump back into Psalm 103. He says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Hey, students, parents, leaders, Ryan, if you have a relationship with Jesus, if you're looking and you're thinking about maybe beginning a relationship with Jesus, if it's your first time here this morning, you go, I don't even know what that means. Here's the reality. There are incredible benefits to following Jesus. I think sometimes we can look and we go, well, my life's going to have to drastically change if I follow Jesus. I can't have fun anymore. And I think sometimes we're so focused on those things, we forget the incredible benefits that come from having a relationship with Jesus, with having a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Do not forget that there are incredible benefits. He speaks to this. Who forgives all of your iniquities, who heals all of your disease. Like right there, that's, that's, that's a message in itself. Jesus forgives and he heals He looks at you, he looks at me, he looks at all of us, he sees our filth, he sees the sins, he sees the iniquities, he sees the things that we've done to live against him, and he offers forgiveness. He sees our disease. And I think sometimes here we can can specifically link that to, to physical disease, but I think really even more specifically The psalmist is speaking to spiritual disease, spiritual death, and he heals those things. He offers forgiveness, and he says, hey, let me see that wound that you have, and I'm going to heal that. 
That wound that you're carrying, I want to heal that. Give it to me. These are one of the incredible benefits of having a personal relationship with Jesus, having a personal relationship with God. He forgives all of our iniquities. He heals all of our diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. That pit, what they're talking about is hell. I don't think we talk about this enough. The reality that hell is a real place. Hell is an authentic, real place where people spend eternity in torment because they never had a relationship with Jesus. And he has delivered us from that. He has pulled us out of that, like eternal damnation. He's done that for us. He's redeemed our life from the pit. He crowns us with steadfast love and mercy. He satisfies us. He satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. An eagle there is it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a symbol of strength and vitality. And so essentially when you're walking through life and you feel the weight of the world, we're renewed. A pep in our step. I don't know what it was. So this past weekend, um, Emily was in Washington, D.C. with her, uh, her class of her eighth grade class from Perry, uh, and that left me with the responsibility of all three kids all alone. Um, to say I was nervous would be an understatement. I was like, honestly, this weekend, I don't know, I know what you're thinking. Ryan, you look like an awesome dad. Like, you're going to do a great job. Like, your kids, how could, they, how could they lose you at the park? That shirt is so bright. They just have to see you. But I was so nervous. So nervous. I don't know why. Like, they're my kids. I hang out with them every day. But I think it was just the reality that mom wasn't around. And I was scared to death. But obviously, I'm standing here. And if you were to go down to kids, men, you would realize that my kids are there. And so we all survived. Praise the Lord. Um, Glory to God. Um, And there was a couple people this morning. Like, I got up this morning at 6 o'clock to get in here. And people, a couple people saw me. They go, dude, you you got a lot of energy. What's going on? It's because my spirit's renewed because Emily's back in the house. Like, my spirit is good because I know that mom is back and all is good. I have a renewed spirit. And this is the kind of stuff that, that Jesus is offering. But not just because, you know, not just because a hard weekend is over. It's because we have, have the opportunity to be delivered from death and into life. That our sickness, that our disease, that our, that our anguish, that our sins can be covered like that, puts, that should put a pep in your step. We should walk away from every prayer, every devotion, every sermon with a pep in our step saying, Jesus has got me covered. I'm good to go. And that's what the psalmist is reminding us of these things. Verse 6, he says, The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Amen to that. Like, do you ever feel oppressed? I think as we've looked over these last couple weeks at some of the topics and the realities of what we face and what we deal with and the temptations that are real, maybe personally or externally, but personally to a friend or a family member, I think there are times we can feel oppressed. We can feel beat up. It says the Lord works righteous and justice, even though we are in those situations. He works those things in our lives. It says he did it for Moses. He made known his ways to Moses and the acts of the people in Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious. 
He's merciful and gracious. Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Like that love, steadfast love, he's slow to anger. He sees us. He knows who we are. He sees us and he's, he's slow to anger. If I could do this as a dad, that would be amazing to understand what it looks like to apply and to understand being slow to anger. There are times where I have a short fuse. Like For a lot of us, we can't understand the reality of having a long fuse. Nobody ever talks about, man, their, their temper is a long fuse. It's always a short fuse. But we, we, what, we, what we can trust is we have a God who is slow to anger. And he abounds in steadfast love, ongoing, continually pursuing. That's the kind of love that God has for each and every one of us. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. I mean, I think the reality of this is we see it all throughout Scripture. Like, the wages of sin is death. Like, a wage is something that you earn. For those of you who have a job every other week or, or however often you get paid, those are your wages, that is what you have earned over the last week or two as you have gone in and you've punched the clock or you've done the work. Those have been the things that you have earned. But the wages of sin, the sin that we are a part of, the sin that we fall into, the sin that we commit, the wage, the thing that we have earned for that is death. That's, that's what we deserve. That's what it says here. It says, He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. He doesn't pay us what we deserve. He gives us what we don't deserve. But what Satan wants you to hear, what Satan wants you to hear is, hey, that sin that you committed, that's not the kind of thing that's going to be okay with God. Like, hey, that... That lifestyle that you, that you lived at one point, that will, in fact, always define you. Those decisions that you made, that will be who you are until the day you die. And God will never forgive you for those things. These are the lies that Satan tells us. And we know that Satan is, in fact, a liar. As we look into John chapter 8, verse 44, it says, it says this. Jesus is speaking, and he says this. You are the father of the devil. He's speaking to some people. Or, you are of your father, the devil. And your will is to, not, is, is to do the Father's desire, your Father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, speaking of Satan here, and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When Satan speaks, when sin speaks, it is never true because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks of his own character. When Satan speaks... Lies, he speaks of who he is. It's another language, I love, or another interpretation. What's the word? Version, thank you, good grief. Another version of this said that it is his native tongue to speak in lies. He says this, for he is a liar and is the father of lies. And so that's what he wants to speak into you. He wants to speak lies into you. He wants you to hear the lies of this world and buy into them. 
and begin to believe them as truth. He wants you to say, you know what? God deals with us pretty wrathfully. And he will never forgive your sins. And he will never do good for you. He will never take your past and turn it into something good. That is your defining characteristic and you are flawed and you are failure and you will never, ever, ever outlive that. There's nothing that can be done to forgive that. That's what Satan wants you to believe. The father of lies. The one who has no truth within him. That's what we listen to a lot of the time. If we're honest, we hear the lies of this world and we begin to buy into them and believe them. And we pile those on and it's clumped together and it's known as shame for our past, for our temptations, for our sin. And we buy into this lie. We buy into this lie that that is the thing that will define us, not just throughout high school and into college, but for the rest of our lives. But there is hope. Because he is the father of lies, but we serve a God of truth. And the truth behind that is this. Verse 11, take note. Verse 11, take note. Like if you're focusing in, listen to 11 and 12. It says this, for as high as the heavens are above the earth. I don't know how high that is, but that's really high. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. And that fear That's not a trembling, like, boogeyman fear. That is a respect. That is an honoring saying, I am fearing God, knowing that he is in charge of it all, that he's got it all figured out, and I'm going to serve him. He says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. If you have a relationship with God the Father because of what Jesus has done, that's the love he's pouring out on you. If you're in here and you go, Ryan, I don't have a relationship, but that love sounds good, it is fully available, no matter what your past looks like. So great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. Verse 12, as far as the east is from the west. I remember as a child hearing this and experiencing it and thinking, like, how far is that? Like, that's really far. Yeah, like it doesn't end. East and west never, never collide again. Once they head off in separate directions, they never, they never meet again. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Did you hear it? Did you hear the truth? Don't let the lies clog your ears. Take the lies out and listen to the truth. This is the truth. This is real. This is authentic. This is the God who loves you. This is a God who loves you deeply saying this to you and to me this morning. As far as the east is from the west, son, daughter, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. That means what he says, he goes, hey, that sin, that temptation that you fell into, the reality What Satan says is your defining moment, come to me, give it to me. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to lob it in the opposite direction and I'm going to walk beside you as you're walking away from that. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he removes our transgressions from us. Don't even think about it anymore, son or daughter. I know who you are. Now that you have come to me, now that you have 
begun a relationship with Jesus, that is not who you are. God says, when I see you, because of the relationship you have with Jesus, I don't see you any longer. I don't see the, the, the homosexuality tendencies. I don't see the same-sex attraction. I don't see the abuse that you incurred or that you put on someone else. I don't see your depression or your anxiety. I see my son Jesus, whom I love, and I see you, and I love you so much. I don't even remember those things. I'm putting them away from you. And so let's not fall into the lie that Satan says to us. Whatever the elephant is in your life, whether it's something that we talked about or whether it's something that's deeply rooted inside of you that you can't give up, even though you've gone and asked for forgiveness, know that the truth, the truth is not that that's your defining moment. Your defining moment is in fact the moment when you say yes to Jesus. That is your defining moment. That is what defines you as a son or a daughter of God. That is the defining moment of my life, and I'm praying that it's the defining moment of your life as well. And so don't listen to the lies. Don't listen to the lies that Satan is constantly sharing with you. Hear the truth. And this is the truth, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions, our sins, our iniquities, our pain, our struggle. So far does he remove that from us. That we can take that shame off. We can give it to God and he immediately separates us from it. Our sins are coming up short, our losses. We can remove that from us. We can experience love of a father, and we find that right there at the end. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. It's my prayer that you have a father in your home that loves you deeply. But I know that's not the reality for everyone. And so what I want you to do is, in your mind, I want you to picture what you believe a perfect earthly father to be, or the closest to perfect, because none of us are perfect. Picture in your mind the best version of an earthly father. It says, the father shows compassion to his children. Imagine what kind of compassion that father shows to his children. I, I pray that that's your earthly father, but if it's not, know that the next part is fully fully experienceable I don't know so that the as a father shows compassion to his children so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him there's a reason that we're called children of God when we have a relationship with Jesus so that we can experience that compassion first because he sent his son to this earth as a way to bridge the gap, to cover our transgressions. Like the compassion that he had was to, to constantly be there for us, to send his son as a way to bridge the gap that exists because of our transgressions, because of our sin. And his compassion is overflowing in his love for us. He says, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. 
He knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows your temptations. He knows your past. But he also knows your future. And he knows what you are able to do. He knows what his plan is for you if you continue to pursue him. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows that we're prone to temptation. He knows that we're prone to sin. But what his response in that is to continue to pour out compassion on us. To continue to say, son or daughter, come on. I love you so much. Don't let that sin, don't let that temptation be your defining moment. Let what I have done in your life through Jesus be your defining moment. And I will separate the elephants in your life as far as the east is from the west because he loves us that much. Don't fall into the lies. Hear the truth, students. Hear the, hear the truth, parents. His love is so big. His love is so big. His compassion is overflowing. And we see that because of Jesus. Don't listen to lies, students. Hear the truth. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. Father, I thank you that we have a place where we can go to see, experience, to feel, to read truth. Father, don't, I pray, pray that your spirit, that your word would fill our ears so tight with truth that the lies can't even penetrate them, that we would not hear them anymore, that we would just constantly remind ourselves, no, I'm God's, I'm his son, I'm his daughter, that we would not hear the lies any longer, that they would fall from us and you would separate them from us. God, thanks for your love. Thanks for giving us what we don't deserve. Thank you for truth that we can experience you. We can begin to see ourselves as you see us. Thank you for Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So what we're going to do for this last song, we're going to have some small group leaders kind of lining the room. And if you're, if you're feeling that this morning, the weight of your past, whether it was last year or last night, we want to provide just prayer for you. And so here's what I'd encourage you to do. As we sing this last song, um, you can sing it. Maybe you need to stay in your seat and you need to pray. Maybe you're going, man, I'm just, I can't, I need somebody else to pray for me. I would encourage you to, to find one of those adults. Find me, find a friend who brought you maybe. There's like, if you look around the room, there's adults who, who spend their Sundays here because they love you. It's just a fraction of the love that God has for you. But maybe you're carrying something. So I'd encourage you to just walk up to them and introduce yourself if you don't know them and just say, hey, my name is this. And one of two things, I need prayer and they'll just pray for you. Or I need prayer for and they'll specifically and strategically pray for you in that way. So I encourage you to do that. Spend some time with God. Spend some time with an adult who loves God and who loves you and wants to point you towards truth. Live in the truth.
sing with me.